Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 12 of another Woodshop podcast, hello, hello. the only podcast recommended by 5 out of 5 dentists. We got him. We got the fifth one. <laughs> we got the fifth one. And if you checked our reviews on, well, pretty much all the platforms, all they're solid five stars. They've still not fixed a glitch, only one you can use, <laughs> and uh, that is very exciting. If you guys haven't read some of them, they're, they're pretty funny. Actually, when you do the reviews, it's not actually stars, it is dentists. It's five out of five dentists. Yes, so. dentists, yes. They're, the, all the dentists are Patrick right. and SpongeBob. They're, they're stars. Uh, oh, boy. What's going on, guys? Hey, Dan, what's, uh, what's on your bench? What's on my bench? So many things, actually. <laughs> so many things. Last week, right after we recorded the show, I delivered the headboard for the bed that I did. That's Slick. 100% complete. I'm so excited about that. The same client wanted some thresholds. To go from her deck to her deck door, it was like a four and a half inch rise for her mom's wheelchair. So I'm making those. I'm making one for her deck door and one for her garage door, which is slightly shorter. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, she also wants some flower boxes to go on her deck rail. So I'm making nice. those. So three projects all at once. I think I got them done yesterday-ish. I think I still have to uh, seal the flower boxes, but. Got them all done yesterday, so I'm going to go deliver those probably tomorrow. Sweet. And then next week, I get to start my big walnut project, Ooh, which I'm, I'm so excited. super pumped about. Yeah, I am too. Can't wait to yeah, see it. It's going to be a big boy. Sick. Oh, and oh. I got a new tool in the shop. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited about Yeah, what, what is this? I got that 2550 Supermax drum yeah. stand, baby. Yeah. I had to go bigger than mine, huh? You yeah. had to get a bigger one, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike's going to get the 2652. 2652. I'm gonna ha- I called them up. They're oh. going to make it for me. <laughs> I'll get the 26 and a half. 50. <laughs> 26 and a half. 53. <laughs> Flex your mask. Just keep upping. Yeah. yeah, that was really quick. <laughs> I'll just keep wrapping. I'll take the paper. I'll extend a tube. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to take a just piece of PVC and put it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dan, uh, I saw you were struggling with those little thresholds a little bit. Uh, just to get that taper. Oh, geez. Yeah, that little one. I thought I had it down oh. and I'm like, oh, I could just I could just handsaw this last night. And I got halfway through See, and I'm like, nope, this isn't me. I'm <laughs> not a handsaw is, uh, guy. Not being used to a drum sander yet because uh, as Mike and I already know, anytime you have a problem, you just run it through a drum sander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could have just run it with something propped up on the bottom oh. at an angle I just gotten a perfect finish. I was gonna message you, but then I'm like, we're gonna record in like 30 minutes. I'll tell him then. <laughs> oh, that would have been. Oh man. Yeah, every mistake can it. be fixed with a drum sander. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up breaking out the power planer, the hand handheld power planer, and using that. After I don't I, like that thing. Uh, I've been thinking about getting. I'm one. not a big fan of it, but it comes in handy for I have some a, little things. I have a win that I use for literally just tore up wood. And the blades, yeah, like the replacement cool. blades, are like I think they pay you a buck to get them off their inventory. So I, <laughs> I, I keep a little stash of those. But like anytime I someone throws me like a nice piece of hardwood that's just beat, I'll run that thing over it before I run it through like my joiner because 
I don't want to blend that through my joiner. It'll a lot of it just has like if you get like a really dusty piece that's been sitting in someone's side yard for a while, I'll just run like that thing dirt over. in there yeah, more I don't than want anything. To get the dirt. Like you think it's walnut and ends up being poplar. Right. I had it's a that piece, dirty. <laughs> I had a piece that I had for I bought it last year and it came in this trailer load of wood that I bought and I thought it was just, I thought it was just a real heavy piece of pine and it turned out to be walnut. <laughs> Oh, nice. I was like, man, this is disgusting. And I was like, but it's so heavy. I was like, it must be full of sap. And I was, gonna, I was like, you know, I better just open this thing up real quick. And I ran the little power planter over it. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I did this. <laughs> so, yeah. I should get that. I just have like a like a very deep set hand plane that I go to town with, like a number mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. And that's how I figure out what wood it is. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's a lot of elbow grease. It is. So sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got going on, Pete? Ah, what do I got going on? I um, I was I had I have so many things going on. Not Sorry. Speaking, so as some of you know, I've had these stupid cherry slabs in my shop that I got uh, when I when I got my uh, table saw off that one guy somewhere in Jersey, and they were really nice cherry slabs. But as I like kept looking at them, and actually like you know as a whole, it's like a girl from far away. You're like oh she's so cute, and then you get up close, like oh that's a man with long hair. Um, <laughs> It's that's what these slabs were. They were they looked gorgeous and and awesome and it had this live edge and and then I got up close and I'm like there's about 52 inches of usable clear cherry in here and then from there it just t- turns to like two to eight inch knots like that's mm-hmm. how big the knots are and and it just starts twisting. Mm-hmm. It's still like really nice live edge, but I'm like yeah I, I can't make a solid like even six foot board out of this. So I ended up just like you know with tears in my eyes just chopped up all the. All the wood, uh, cleaned up a bunch of the boards, threw them up on, uh, I put a new lumber rack in last week too, so threw them up there, and then I kept all the ends just in case I want to do any, maybe I'll get into some epoxy work while I do the little, like, islands with a little C in the center, always thought that looked cool, um, and uh, some of the cherry I'm actually using for my buddy's uh, van, so he... Uh, he brought his van over, we've been doing his van build for like two years, and just constantly getting sidetracked. Mm. Uh, so we're converting it to a little camper, and he's going to have a very nice uh, cherry top in there now for his uh, kitchenette. Sweet. Which is pretty dope. Yeah, nice and fancy. Um, and uh, aside from that, I just have another, like, two feet or three feet of my shop back, nice. which I can, like, actually build. I f- yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can actually build a piece of furniture in here. Like, I have somewhere to put That's it. That's awesome. And it feels so nice. Uh, and the best thing of all the things I installed, I drilled a hole in my wall mm. and I put an event and I installed an air conditioner Sweet, and it has been glorious. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I don't you know if anyone else is in the, that AC. <laughs> well, like if you're in the Northeast, like where I'm at, it, it gets pretty humid, <clears throat> like not Florida humid, but it gets up to the 90, like 90% humidity. This whole week was pretty much 75 to 85% humidity. Yeah. Even though it was like 75 out, it was just unbearable. So this AC saved my butt. Uh, and it's a dehumidifier too, which was really dope. That's nice. Um, and uh, one last thing, I'm just working on a little uh, headphone stand with just stupid angles because, I, as I keep saying, I hate myself. Uh, I was it's that a was. I 15 degree, <laughs> a 15 degree through mortise uh, in the base, and a 15 degree uh, uh, what is a bridle joint on the top yeah. that actually holds the headphones. And that was tricky to cut. So I made some jigs. Did some drilling at an angle, did some chiseling at an angle, and it and it fits. Sweet. Nice. So, yeah, it looks good. Very exciting. I haven't done angled joinery in probably like a year and a half, two years. So it's been pretty cool to do that again. 
Now, what about you, Mike? Enough about uh, real quick on the epoxy art <clears throat> thing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not really like huge into it, but um, there's a guy I really like. His name's uh, Chris with Cambridge Drive Inc. He makes mm-hmm. beautiful epoxy art, and I don't know why his page doesn't do better. He he just does really great stuff. Cambridge Drive Inc. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, yeah, we hung out with him a little bit at yeah, uh, Workbench. Yeah, we did. He's a super nice guy. Um, Rub it in that I didn't go. Remember when you and me were there and Pete wasn't? Yeah, remember? That was fun. Um, (laughs) uh, For me, I made a slab flattening jig. I made, I mean, it's a slab flattening jig. It's like six total parts. I made plans for that as well. That was really fun. Kind of jumping more into fusion. Um, Really, really, really enjoying fusion a lot. And it's clicking with me more than, well, SketchUp wasn't clicking, wasn't not clicking. SketchUp's pretty fast to figure out it just had uh, I felt it felt limited and uh, fusion I'm having a lot more fun with um, but I got the jig done <clears throat> I started using the jig this week on this slab between me and my friend who's also my neighbor last summer he had a uh, like 60 foot deodor cedar dropped and we milled up about 35 slabs out of it with my chainsaw mill and Jeez. and I also <clears throat> at my office at my job we had a couple sycamores come down, and I had those those logs brought here, or I brought those logs here, and we milled those up as well. So I've got about nice. 35 cedar slabs. None of them are more than four feet long. Uh, but the sycamore, um, they're all about six foot long, and there's about 12 of those. Those need probably another three months before they're going to be dry, but the cedar is like beyond dry. Um, so I started flattening one of those, and I'm going to turn that into a bench. Um, and generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of cedar. It's pretty plain and kind of boring and soft. So it doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, um, attributes that I love, but this deodor cedar, which I'd never worked with, um, it has the scent of cedar, which always smells good, but it's a bit spicier. So it's a little bit, uh, almost, it's not, it's not harsh, but it's almost harsh on the nose because it's kind of spicy, but the wood is actually really pretty. Um, and it's got some decent amount of contrast between the heartwood and the sapwood. So I'm actually really excited about these slabs. And uh, they're, they're, they're going to be pretty cool. I don't know what I'm going to do with all of them. But we have so many between the two of us. Uh, but I'm going to figure out some pro- projects with those. Also, I did um, I started a chisel rack. I didn't really show that on social media too much, I don't think. But uh, I started a chisel rack because I have a new set of mortising chisels that I needed to get up on my French cleat wall. And um, what else I got going on? guess that's kind of it i was going to be jumping into these other two nightstands but i kind of i've kind of backburnered them for a couple projects i've got a um i bought this really gorgeous walnut slab about nine months ago and i bought a sycamore slab too at the same trip and it's um it's just really pretty wood (laughs) they both have a ton of uh, curl in them both of them and I, I bought them to, to, to make a console table out of them so I think I'm actually going to start that console table this week I think that's gonna be my project I'm gonna try to design that up in fusion I have a vision in my head that I've had for almost a year now so I'm gonna get that built or designed and then build that this week so I gotta mill up all the wood it's all rough lumber um, they're not slabs they are dimensioned pieces of wood but they're completely rough they're not slabs so uh, that's kind of what I got going on um, I think that's nice. kind of it. Now, Mike, the one thing that really makes your your whole slab flattening jig really work well is the fact that you actually have a dead flat tortoise surface, tortoise, right? Yeah, my tortoise top <laughs> is really flat. Um, 
It, it is. Because I noticed it's one that actually rides on top of the Right, the yeah, bench, that's right? the thing is one of the reasons my, my outfeed table is dead flat. I mean, dead flat. Um, that was one of the reasons I wanted a dead flat table. Obviously, I can reference against it for assembling stuff, which is nice. Yeah. But the using it as a slab flattening jig was one of the things. And that's kind of the limitation to my design that I have in my plans is you have to have a dead flat surface to reference against. So uh works well when you have one, doesn't work well when you don't have one. So it uh, <laughs> doesn't work at all when you don't have a flat surface. So you have to have that flat surface to reference against. Um, so, yeah, that's a really good point. Um <clears throat> But yeah, that that outfeed table is. I love that outfeed table. It's turned into such a awesome. great build in my shop. I just I use it all the time, and I'm really glad I, I might be copying that later on at some point. I want to. I like the the square design of it. Yeah, me too. Because uh, it's you're able to have stuff on it and still use like your sleds and stuff. Well, I mean, it's, it's really nice. Horizontal space. So much for just... that extra two to three feet you just gained in your shop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I was gonna actually make that thing in fusion. And uh, make plans available for that because I get asked all the time about it. It's really simple. I mean, anyone could literally. I mean, I figured it out myself. I based it on nothing. Um, but people ask if it can be done in four feet, and I could easy, it could be done in four feet because mine's five foot by five foot. It could be done in four foot by four foot much easier and save quite a bit of money because you can just cut uh, a sheet in half. Basically, four by eight yeah, sheets. you just get yeah. four by eight sheets and cut them in half. So um, you can do the top and bottom piece out of one piece of Baltic birch. And then the middle out of one piece of MDF, and then the top you would need to have another piece of Baltic, a half a piece of Baltic birch because it's three layers of Baltic birch, and then the three inch thick uh, MDF torsion frame. So, yeah. How thick are the legs on that? So I'm kind of uh, derailing two by the three. whole thing. I'm not derailing <laughs> two by three. Okay. There's no objective here. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're two by three, and they are pine. The whole base is pine. It's it's blue denim pine. Yeah, I've been reevaluating my my outfit. And I actually got a question for Dan. I'm going to just interview you guys yeah, the whole hour, if, that, if that's fine. Yeah, Dan, I, I saw recently on your account as well that you made some cedar boxes for some uh, plants, I some did. garden boxes. Um, I was actually going to ask you about the the spray you used. What is that Flex stuff called seal, again? Baby. Flex seal, Yes. Um, have you used that before? Does it actually I've work well? I've never used it before. Oh, no. What is it? <laughs> it's that spray rubber, basically. In the commercial, the guy like sprays a, a screen boat screen with it, door. and then he's able to use it as a boat. It's like their big selling point. It's, There's a bunch of memes online with the uh, fixing your relationship. Yeah, so I got the stuff that came in a can, and it takes like 48 hours to cure, but it's like sprayable rubber. And you sprayed the interior of the planter box with that? Yeah. Did you drill holes for drainage? I will, yeah, I yeah. will. And then you'll respray those I'm holes really or something. Curious. Yeah, I'll put a Q-tip in there or something. I don't gotcha. want it like getting all over the place and looking nasty. Interesting. That's cool. I'm gonna have to check that out because I, yeah. I, I've been asked to make planter boxes and and I've wanted to make them, but I'm always like, you know, wood and soil just does not belong together. It just wrecks it. I built. So, I built these. No, uh, good idea. I built a four foot by eight foot planter box. By like one of my very first woodworking projects. It's <laughs> I don't know how long it's gonna last. I built it out of Doug fir. But I, uh, but I stained it with like a deck finish, like a mm-hmm. multiple coats of a deck finish. And then the inside where the actual dirt, the soil is, uh, I lined with um, painter's plastic. Uh-huh. So the whole thing's like got stapled painter's plastic. And it's holding up really well. Uh, the inside is. The outside is not doing so great. But it's like a succulent planter box that I 
putting it, put there for us, but it worked all right. But that flex seal sounds very amazing. I actually, I'm, I'm intrigued. I might pick some up yeah, just to try it. One like thing, twelve dollars for a can or something. But I one, one, Dan, I think you should just do a test where you just have a couple of them on different woods and you spray them and then you <laughs> soak them. And instead of doing seal, it over two weeks, you do it over seal. two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody actually sent me that in a message saying that I should do something like that. You should. Making fun of my glue test video. <laughs> no, no, not making fun. That was great. You like have a mask on, but it's your face, and you take it off, and it's you. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did want to say is um, the internet, you know, comes through sometimes big when you're when you're doing stories about projects you're doing. Because I had said that I was going to put my I was going to put uh, paste wax on my runners and. Within an hour, I had like 30 people say, don't use paste wax. It gums up with the sawdust. And then within 10 minutes of that, which, yeah, I kind of had that same response too. Uh, I don't know how it gums up with sawdust. But um, but other people were like, hey, you need to try the uh, WD-40 specialist silicone, dry silicone. It works so good. I'm getting I no dust. Paste wax. Huh? I prefer paste wax. Really? I, yeah, I have that. I'm all about paste wax. I have some of that uh, spray silicone. Uh-huh. And, it, and when it dries, it gets all white and it has like a white powder like residue. Hmm. This stuff just looks like I sprayed a uh, like a poly over it. So you're talking about inside the track for the uh, the flattening jig yes. or just inside runners? And on the and in between the and on the feet where it slides on my outfit. Yeah. I feel like people are just not buffing it because you got to buff it. You can't yeah. just apply it. When yes, you buff it, if right. it's thin enough, it just cures within couple hours you know uh, i made the drawers on my workbench uh so the the drawers have a wider bottom piece to the drawer Mm -hmm. and that slides in and out of dados right so no hardware so no hardware at all so that i can open it from either side of the workbench Mm -hmm. as well and i just that's smart i just put paste wax in the dados and it's never gummed up it's never been a problem as a matter of fact it's still good sliding wise a year and a half later. Hmm. Look well, at that. There you go. Hey, if it works for Grandpa, it works for me. Hey, what the heck? You don't need to attack him like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, what are we going to do? Jump into a question here? What do we want to do here? Yeah, let's do it. What? Voicemails. I want to hear people's I voices. I keep talking about paste wax. I do too. I, this I do is, love it Let's too. just do an all paste wax episode. Yeah, what do else it. do you use it for? Is it, going down, is it good on toast? It's good on my beard. This is stupid now. Let's tell. go right into this question. Uh, buffing cast iron. <laughs> make it super slippery. Well, you know, last week, if you listen to the episode, which you should have, um, Josh, the dad, one on Instagram, sent us a question about um, logo copyrights. And we kind of went in on a tangent on that. For, or not a tangent. We went in on that topic for a while. Uh, it was a really good question. Mm. And this week he has a less good question. So let's hear it. (laughs) Hey, guys, this is Josh of Josh the Dad 1 of the Big IG. I just want to say you guys are doing a phenomenal job with the podcast. I really enjoy it. Thank you for keeping the language clean because, you know, bad language hurts my ears. So thank you very much. And I also want to say thank you for taking my question in one of those previous podcasts. And you're welcome for monopolizing most of your time. It was wonderful to listen to. Anyways, here's my next question for you. Now, as a hobbyist in the woodworking world, I don't do this to make money. So if I mess something up, well, you know, so what? I move on. I just try not to tell my wife how much I spend on wood. But I want to know, what is your most epic failure 
in woodworking. I mean, we all have them, so I want to know what yours are. Have fun. First of all, I want to say I was joking. That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for the question, Josh. We appreciate it. Um, my biggest failure, and I don't know if I've told this story, when I was building my guitar on the fronts, <laughs> Dan already knows. On the fronts, Go on. there's these F shaped cutouts. And uh, are they like holes? They're holes, they just, yeah. Like, they're, uh, in the business, they're so called what type F of holes. holes. And oh, okay. um, <laughs> and uh, I was routing the, the profile out of my F hole, and I blew my F hole clean so you, out. <laughs> so you had your little bit in the F hole? <laughs> I like how he's all. Thanks for keeping the language clean and jump right into the floating out. I don't know what you guys are talking about. He had a bit. You're using a, a quarter inch shank. That's a little yeah, bit. I had a you little, put the little quarter bit inch shank inside the inside F-hole. my F hole, and uh, I caught some grain at the wrong spot. Blew my F hole clean out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I had bean dip last night at about two a.m. And, and then I ended up blowing out my F hole this morning. Just. That's too on the nose. Come on. That's gross. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw this one. Well, I mean, Dan's obviously already just shared his epic failure. Um, <laughs> yeah, you got any other ones? You got one less less severe than that, Dan? Yeah. Well, uh, well I mean, like, look, really, for real, though, when that did happen, that was seriously one of the most epic failures I had because it, it really did set me back several days. I resawed that maple off of a eight quarter inch thick slab of maple and I was I had to I resawed one piece off and then another piece so I could get the book match. Then I had to glue them up. Then I had to sand them down. I mean there was processing. I mean I lost you know, for me I don't I don't do this twenty four hours a day. I don't get to I wish I could, but I, I have to do this in the evening. So there's processes I have to shoehorn into my day. Um, except for on the weekend obviously. But you know, I get like a few hours in the shop at night and I can't get a whole lot done, especially with the glue up in between processes. So I basically lost two nights when I had to redo that. So it was a big failure for me. Uh, all joking aside, you know, those things are super frustrating. So for real, though, over to Dan. We're not allowed to joke anymore? It's only serious. No, let's episode. make jokes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, I can't think of anything that I screwed up on a project-wise because I'm kind of perfect. But uh, oh, God. <laughs> go on. But, but uh, last year, I think last summer, I was planing some. Uh, I, th- I think I was planing some uh, fire maple or quilted maple, mm-hmm. curly maple, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was I was putting them through my planer like three at a time. They were like two inches wide. So I was staggering them, one, two, three, but I had managed to put three in at once because I didn't put the stagger far enough away. So the the one in the middle didn't catch the rollers quite well enough in the planer, and it kicked it back and hit me right in the stomach, and that hurt mm. really, really bad. It and kicked it back? I've had that, that planer of mine yeah. has kicked back twice now. The last time it kicked back... I, well, I guess it is. The, I guess the cutters it must are have lifted. pushing towards you, yeah. so yeah, it must have gotten got rid of the, the it must have got out of the rollers somehow. Yeah, <clears throat> it wow. it jitters a little bit if you're planing um, stuff with figure like curly hmm. maple. Yeah, 
I was planting some uh, curly cherry a month or two ago. And I remembered the last time. So, like, since that first time I got I got the kick back in the stomach, I've never stood in front of it anymore, which you should never do anyways. Learn from my mistakes, kids. I, Ooh, I remember that, and it kicked back again, and it shot across my shop and through the drywall. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. <clears throat> I need to get rid of that planer so bad. Yes, you do. <clears throat> which planer do you have? I have the Delta 22-555, I think. Is the Lunchbox one? Yeah. Is that the kickback oh. edition? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. I, I think edition. I figured out the problem. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Watch, next he's going to get a planer like one inch bigger than what we have. Like a 14 inch DeWalt <laughs> 730. Or he'll just get a 15 inch. <laughs> I'm going to get a 21 inch uh, Laguna. Pete. 21 inch. <laughs> 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 Pete, tell me about your failures in life. Or um, I'm trying to think if I'd met um, oh, my failures, my children, my failures. <laughs> uh, I don't have any kids, um, so I don't Man, know if I mentioned this in a the really past big once. failure. If you don't have any kids, <laughs> wow, You're supposed oh, to on. keep them alive. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. It was one of those things that I kind of talked about uh, rushing while you're doing multiple cuts. You know, when you're just doing the same thing over and over again, just going quickly, uh, you can make mistakes. And this was kind of, I don't want to say early on, but it was one of the first weeks that I was, or months that I was in this house, in a shop. And I was putting up the French cleat wall, and I was just cutting up pieces of it just quickly. I already had the strips up, and I was just cutting little hangers uh, and just little whatever just to make uh, quick jigs to hang stuff up. And I just stupidly, this is back when I would, on my sled have just other things laying there and i know sometimes people get very freaked out at the time i was just kind of like oh i'm i'm fine there's just a little piece of wood here a little piece of wood here i'm just making a quick cut and i guess at some point a piece of wood had gotten to the back of the sled and it was behind the blade and it was just sitting there for a while because i was just making short cuts and just going three inches forward and back and done and then at some point i guess i pulled the sled all the way back that piece of wood got picked up by the blade, and thank goodness. I mean, I was wearing eye protection, but thank goodness that piece of wood got shot at my hand and not my face <clears throat> or anywhere else because it literally splintered into two jagged spikes <clears throat> and just demolished my right hand, like just a bunch of cuts. It was functionally it was fine. It was oh, just good. bruised and very cut up. But if that had hit me anywhere else, it would have been a very different story. So ever since then, I keep my sleds nice and clean. If I, and this was also like later at night, I was getting a little fatigued, just tired from the whole day. Um, if I ever feel like I'm, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) this is pre gripper. This is, this, I was using fingers. Um, and it was on my little like DeWalt saw, it was a smaller sled too. So, you know, there's a lot of things. Uh, and anyone that's used a sled on a smaller saw too, you know, like as soon as you go past a certain point, that thing wants to tip on you Mm -hmm. too. It's just not enough surface area. So that was, uh, was probably one of the scariest and biggest mistakes that I've had so far. And hopefully that is the scariest and biggest mistake I have forever. Yeah, um, I think I think like people, well, I think people, when, when, when we're working with tools, you know, I have a friend who had a really bad kickback situation and it shot pretty like a two by two piece into his ribs, you know, and it was mm. gross. Like the, the bruise looked disgusting, like Van Damme kicked him or something. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, I think when we all have like these... I'm, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've had a couple close calls, not on the table saw. The table saw, I get really, uh, I'm very purposeful when I'm on there. I'm making sure everything I do is, is uh, I don't have a saw stop, you know, so I, I make sure everything I'm doing is, is up to snuff. 
But I, when I'm on a miter saw, I had this saw before the one I have now. It was really bad saw. It had a bad arbor issues. I tried to return it. They wouldn't let me. Anyway, I had a couple instances where the wobble on this arbor was so bad that it was pinching wood and it, it hopped. Like everything just hopped up. The whole miter saw hopped up. It shattered the blade guard. They would replace that, but um, I had that happen to me twice on that saw. And now as a result, anytime I'm on my not, my newer miter saw, I'm really, really like anxious about using the saw on like, every cut. I set everything up. I always have pressure. On I think it's just PTSD, I guess, from, from that stuff. It's, but, it's but, having a healthy... I don't want to call fear, it fear. No. It's a respect. respect yeah. I I definitely, even with this wonderful saw that has so much power and just melts through wood, I still have so much anxiety. Like I I firmly like overhold everything with my hand. Like I'm applying more pressure than I probably need to because I have like a healthy respect, maybe a little bit of a fear with it. Um, same thing. Yeah, it's like it's a little bit of PTSD. Yeah, I I don't really get it from any other tool. I mean, a chainsaw. I kind of am always like, this is a wide open blade. But like uh, like yeah. a table saw, I always feel really comfortable because everything feels. I mean, you know, I don't want to say I don't want to say I'm like overly comfortable. Like I said, I'm really intentional when I set up my cuts on there, and I do the same thing with all my any other tool, bandsaw, everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, bandsaw freaks me out, man. Just horror stories about really? the. Well, I know it's so safe, but I mean, if your hand ever did get caught in there. It's pulling oh, yeah. down. Yeah. You're gonna use it. You're losing your whole finger. Um, Actually, speaking of miter saws, one time I I saw a uh, somebody using the miter saw. And it was a sl- sliding one mm-hmm. uh, at the woodworking school, and I just saw them get kickback and just get nailed in a shoulder, mm-hmm. just like just like to where they, they staggered back like four forward. or five feet. It just shot yeah. forward because it pinched the wood and mm-hmm. wanted to go forward. I was like, oof, damn! Like you never want to be too close to that thing because they were like right on top of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but <laughs> scary stuff, man. Arms. So in 1997, when? Ooh. 1997, <laughs> I was fresh out of high school, and I was working. I was at still a, living in Poland. You were like two years two old. Two years old. <laughs> I was good to say. I was t- in it's 1997. Tiny. I was working in a furniture factory, running a bandsaw, making out uh, you know curved pieces for furniture frames and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was good at it. I was really good at it, but I got confident. And over a little complacent, I guess. And my hand slipped and ran ran my thumb directly into the saw blade on the bandsaw. And it cut like a quarter inch to a half inch straight down my thumb into the bone. Mm. I guess that was a pretty big epic failure on a bandsaw. Why didn't you lead with that? What the heck? It was 1997. (laughs) I forgot until you just started talking about cutting your hand with a bandsaw. I was like, oh, yeah, I've done that. You know, I think oh, yeah. I, look, my favorite. <laughs> just blocked it out of his memory. Bandsaw's like my favorite. I have another story. Tool. I have another oh. story. <laughs> this, oh, God. this was this place was an ocean nightmare. So we also had these big industrial like staple guns that they would shoot two and a half inch staples. Oh god. And we worked on piecework, which is you get paid by how much you do, mm-hmm. not by the hour. Mm-hmm. So we we would do everything we could to go faster and faster. So we removed all the safety mechanisms so I could hold the staple gun out and just pull the trigger like a machine gun and it would just go. There was no safety, like push down, pull the trigger. So I was stapling something together and I backed up and there was something behind me and I had the staple gun in my hand. And as I backed up, I tripped over it 
and I stapled my shoulder with a two and a half inch. Staple. Oh, what? That Wait, that, how are these stories? <laughs> we have to put an explicit warning on this your thing friend, now. Yeah, your first one's like, yeah, I accidentally hammered my finger with the ball, ball <laughs> peen hammer. Oh, now I remember. I shot myself in the shoulder with a two and a half inch staple. <laughs> That's crazy. So there you go, Jesus. boys and girls. <laughs> well, we uh, we officially. Are not a clean podcast no, anymore. It's, uh, <laughs> it's gruesome as hell. Uh, that's crazy. Hey, real quick. Yeah, I was though. 18 oh, in 1997, so do the math. Oh, God. You're old AF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's your back? It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Funny, when I was 10 and in Poland, and uh, I was also working in a factory making furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Communism. <laughs> Some nice uh, furniture, too, I bet. Um, no, everyone had the same. You had choice of uh, light and dark. That's it. <laughs> Communism. <laughs> Furniture chooses you, or whatever. That's, that's, that's no joke, though. Like they had cars and stuff. They just made like two or three models. Yeah, it was uh, the you, that Hugo, was right? your choice. <laughs> you don't know. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, hey, real quick, wanted to you know talk about this other podcast. Maybe you've heard of it, Dan. Have you heard of it? Yeah. yeah, it's the Dan and Pete podcast oh, okay. starting yeah. next week. We didn't want to tell you like this, but... <laughs> you, guys, you guys started... It's a, it's a cover podcast for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's Well, it's Dan and Mike... Or, sorry, oh, Dan yeah. and Pete featuring Mike. <laughs> featuring Mike. <laughs> it's called The Other Woodshop Podcast. The Other Around Another Coffee. Woodshop oh. Podcast. Not featuring Mike Coffee. <laughs> but I'm assuming you're not talking about that one. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm talking about a podcast called We Built a Thing. So those guys are uh, the guys who are on that show. It's uh, Drew Fisher, Bruce Ulrich, and Mark Christ. Is it Christ or Christ? Oh Christ! You should have figured this out before. I probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was subtle. I liked it. It's that's good. <laughs> um, wanted to mention that to our listeners because it's another woodworking podcast. We're friends with those guys. And yeah, good dudes. they are good dudes. They're all really good dudes. Definitely, yeah. definitely good dudes. Uh, so we just wanted to mention that podcast. If you're listening to us, you're probably into podcasts, and you should really go give them a give them a listen because you might find a podcast that you leave on your uh, catcher that you want to listen to all the time. So, uh, it's we built a thing uh, specifically if you're kind of wanting to check it out. Uh, Drew had recommended checking out episode 50. It's like a recap show of all their episodes. So they're 54 in. I think they just released 54 yesterday, and wow. um, yeah. So episode 50 was like a, a best of show and it was, it was a good episode. So if you want to check out what they're about, go check it out. So we wanted to plug those guys real quick cause they're good dudes and they're friends of the show. So, um, other than that, people have some notes in the show description and links to their shows when we get there. So, Oh yeah. Um, throw that in there. We're going to jump to this next question from Brian Clary about reference cutting. Um, this is a really how do I want to describe I this, Dan? I just want to ask the question. question and we can... I've been thinking about it for days and I still don't know. Yeah, it. let's... I mean, I think we so all have our... Me first. No, I'll go, I'll go first. Um, actually, Pete might... Pete, how do you feel about going first on this one? Sure. Let's do it. You want to go first? I'll figure it out as, as well, he's asking. You know what? I'll, 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 I'll go first because I have some thoughts. So I'll go first and you guys can okay. kind of think. So I got you. This <laughs> is, uh, we're talking this through. On the, on the air? Hey, it's fun. Yeah. Behind the scenes. We'll cut this I'll edit all this out. The whole podcast is going to be edited out. All right, here we go. It's going to be one big blank. <laughs> Hi guys, this is Brian Clary, novice woodworker. My question revolves around reference building. 
I currently rely heavily on plans for my builds, and if the plan says to cut to 11 and 3 sixteenths of an inch, that is where it needs to be cut. What are some tips for breaking free from this mentality and moving more into a mindset of using other sections of your build to reference from? Are there any resources such as YouTube videos and or creators, podcasts, or books that you would recommend for learning to think about woodworking in a more fluid and dynamic manner? Thanks in advance and keep up the great work producing a solid podcast. Brian, thanks for the question. So reference cutting is something that I kind of naturally worked my way into when I was building my own projects. When you're building someone else's project and you're working off a set of plans, you really, you can't use reference cutting. It's not possible. You're, you're building their design, but when you're building your own design um, and you're building your own piece, you want to try to get it in there as much as you can. It just makes your life so much better. So I will answer if, is if there's reference like videos to reference on YouTube or anything, I actually don't know. Um, I just started hearing about reference cutting and as I heard people talk about it more and more, I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Basically what that means is if you have a table and you have your apron, uh, and your apron is two inches or three, we'll say it's three inches tall. When you set your fence, set it to three inches and cut all those pieces that are going to be that wide. So all four pieces around the apron. And then if you have your, your legs and your legs are all two inches wide, make all those cuts at the same time. So you're not adjusting your fence. Uh, you want to make in that way, if it actually ends up being that you set your fence to the wrong width and it's like two and a quarter, at least all of them are now the same width and you can adjust the design, uh, to that size basically. So, and, and if you end up having, if you're building a base for a table or whatever, and you have, you had originally planned to have two inch legs and you cut them at two and a quarter and then your apron, you had them, you want them to all be, you know, the, the, la, the long ones. What do you call those Pete? The long aprons. Is it just long aprons? I get, well, it's just long aprons. The, it's a stretcher. I mean, it's a stretcher. Yeah. Stretcher. It's a stretcher. Yeah. It's a stretcher. So your long, <clears throat> your long apron, which would be your stretcher. Um, you have two of those in theory. Uh, you just set your stop block and make both those cuts at the same time. The point is just making all your cuts for the for the mirrored pieces at the same time, so everything is the same, and that's the goal. So um, it's not really something you can do with plans because when you're with plans, you're inherently cutting, like you said, to eleven and three sixteenths or whatever the dimension was that you mentioned. You have to follow it. That's the limitation to following plans <clears throat> and not coming up with your own designs. One cool thing that you can do as an exercise for yourself if you are using plans is change the dimensions up in your own head or on a piece of paper. Write your own dimension on there or a close, excuse me, a close dimension to that and then make that reference for the rest of your build. You know, if it's 11 and three quarters, just make it 12 inches and now your piece is scaled a little larger. Now there's probably, I can't think of an example, there's pieces that you can't change the size of on things. But it's just, it's really, a, it's really something you can only really incorporate into your own designs. So, um, but I think for the most part, when you're building something, if you have a horizontal face, like a, a drawer box or something where the base is 12 inches, you can't just adjust the one. You have to make them all the same all the way down. So it's yep. self-referential cutting <clears throat> is what it, what it means. I don't know if I'm explaining it well enough, Pete. 
Well, so when I was starting out and I had kind of like lower quality tools, I like I followed plants because that's how I kind of how I learned. I was following plants. Yeah. I, like I mentioned in one of the episodes, I was using Woodsmith Shop. They had tons of plants for free, came with their DVDs, all that stuff. And the thing is, I would, you know, maybe set the saw, maybe not make all the cuts at the same time. And then suddenly, oh, that one major part, which I don't have any wood to replace with, is now a quarter of an inch shorter. Well, guess what? Now the whole project is a quarter of an inch smaller. So I basically would adjust to that. Right. Um, so essentially, it's, I mean, what a, woodworking is, a lot of it is simply you make a mistake or you work around a defect of the wood and you try to fix it or hide it or improve upon it. Um, sometimes if you have enough wood, you could just, if you make a mistake, all right, you know, or if it needs to be an exact size, you just get another piece of wood. But if it's something not that important, you know, yeah, you can use plans, but don't use plans as a hard yes or no. Use plans um, as basically a guideline. Right. Like this is, you know, this is the guideline. This is roughly how big this is going to be. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be that exact size. For example, when we teach our our table class uh, at the school, we're not going off of hard dimensions on right. that. We're going off of whatever that lumber is going to be because that five-quarter board of ash could be maybe basically four quarters in some sections. So when we plane it down, if it ends up being an inch when it's all done, great. If it ends up being like seven-eighths, okay. Uh, and then we basically make sure that, you know, if I need to out of that board, get four stretchers or four legs. I'm just going to pick the dimension that's going to work out and then adjust everything accordingly to that. So a lot of times I do build simply just based on the material I have or the space I'm going into. Uh, following plans very seriously is, is I, I don't think it's always wise. It's like that whole Bear Grylls meme, you know, the, the improvise, overcome, adapt or whatever. Well, another part <laughs> of it is it's really freeing too. There's a lot of, uh, and sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to catch up, but um, it's it's really freeing. You get a lot of freedom uh, in referential cutting. You, you know, when you think, oh, it has to be this size, it has, it really doesn't have to be that size. And that's what Pete was saying. I mean, you you have a space you want to fill, right? In theory, you have a, you have a need. So there's a few things you need to factor in: the space, the need, the function, stuff like that. I mean, uh, but if you don't, if you're not constrained to specific measurements, you have a lot of freedom. And it makes things a little bit more fun. Um, you know, obviously you can't have a leg on a console table that's a half an inch wide. It's going to not be sound. It's not going to be structurally sound. Yeah. But, you know, you can have a six inch leg or you can have a four inch leg. It might look stupid, but you can do it. And there's no reason not to. I mean, it's all a design choice at that point, And you just get a lot of freedom in uh, when you do referential cuts. So, Dan, thoughts? Whenever I work from plans, I look at them as a suggestion more than yep. anything, not a hard line yep. like you have to do it this way. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, okay, I like this design, so I'm going to make this design and I'm going to take their dimensions and see how it feels for me. Mm -hmm. I've, I've never like hard line followed plans. It just, it's not my style. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and then as I go, things get changed over and over that I end up just having to go, okay, I need a stretcher here. So I'm going to go measure the piece itself and figure out how big I need it. And that's, that's how I do it. I, yeah. I don't follow plans to, I mean, to a T like that. For example, like, uh, speaking of the, the, of Drew with, we built the thing, um, you know, I just bought his plans for his flip top cart cause I'm changing my sanding station. And I don't want to design the thing, but I'm not going to be building his exact cart. Like, like, like Dan just yep. said, I'm going to be changing some things on there. Just looking over it briefly. They're great plans, 
uh, if you're someone who is like really new to woodworking, it's probably a good idea to follow those plans until you start getting comfortable with things. Um, but for me, I'm going to use it, like Dan just said, as a template kind of a thing or a rough idea. I'm going to tweak it to exactly what I need. But the thing I didn't want to spend time figuring out was I believe he uses black pipe as the pivot point for his flip top cart. I could be mistaken. Mm-hmm. I haven't dug in there, but um, I don't want to have to figure that out. It was worth the five bucks or whatever to buy it and uh, and get those plans for me. So I don't have to figure out that part. Uh, but the rest, the actual rest of the carcass probably won't be the same. The drawer box probably won't be the same. And I will do some other changes as well. So I agree with Dan. I agree with Pete. We're all in agreement with each other. High fives all around. High fives. <laughs> high fives. Sweet. Um, Should we hop into our written in questions now? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a great idea. We are uh, we got some a good amount of time left, actually. So. Yeah. All right. I'll, uh, I'll hop on the first ones. Cool. Uh, but before I do that, I want to talk about our sponsor, Grandma. Whether it's warm cookies or a check in the mail. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Our only sponsor so She's far. So sweet. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so first one's from Matt Marole. That's how I said reading, that right. Yeah. From um, Surf Pig. Yeah. So from Surf Pig. He's got a couple in here, so we're going to uh, fly through them. So what do you think of air cleaners? Um, specifically, he's talking about the when. I have an old Delta that also is really funky. It's triangular shape. So the filters on the side are triangles. That's what that is. Uh, back you have there. to like vacuum out. Yes, that's what that is. Uh, <laughs> and it definitely helps, especially if you are a person that works with their shop closed or if you're in a basement. I think they definitely help. You just got to stay on top of those filters. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I like having one. If I didn't have it, I guess a fan with a filter on it is fine too, just as long as it's moving air and capturing some of that fine particulate that you're not seeing, but it's definitely in the air. Uh, what about you guys, Mike? Uh, I made mine with a 20 by 20 box fan. I bought the box fan from Home Depot for 20 bucks. I went in there and bought the one that has the most CFMs. This one has 550 CFMs. Um, it uses a 20 by 20 HVAC filter. I buy. I go to Ace Hardware and I buy their their second nicest ones, which are like $4 a piece. I buy like five at a time. I'll every month or every few weeks, I'll blow it off with my air compressor in the side yard and I'll reuse it a couple times. Eventually it gets gummed up and I can't reuse it. Um, I've definitely been thinking about it's big. I mean, this thing's really big and I have a shorter ceiling than I did in my old shop. So it kind of hangs over my outfeed a bit and it has gotten in the way uh, recently, but I think they're very important. Um, if you're, if I think if you're like a week doing weekend warrior stuff, um, you can get away with it if you can like open up some windows or something. But, um, I think it's really important to have, I know yesterday I was doing, um, flattening on that slab. That was a mess. My shop was a mess. Uh, I had that thing on. It helped a lot. I also had one of my garage doors open. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to get the dust out of there. I was wearing my face mask. I was doing all the things, but, um, I still had to go take a shower and I still had the sawdust boogers dripping out of my nose. You know, it's disgusting, <laughs> but, uh, mm, those are yes. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I have looked at the win. Um, I, I, uh, I probably won't end up getting that one, but for no particular, I think that's a very good air filter. Overall, people who have it are very happy with it. And, uh, I think you can get them for like one thirty or something like that. They're really reasonable. Um, you know, some of the other ones, it's kind of hard to justify, the prices it's like it's just a fan with a filter you know like the powermatic yeah, one yeah it's like see that sucker oh the yeah, big box like fan that. one that thing's sick <laughs> like that'd be really slick the, the 
the big yeah, round, the big round one. one. Yeah, it's yeah, like the big mess. round one. Yeah. Was that thing's slick, but it's like so eight hundred bucks or something. Yeah, I don't remember how much. Yeah, it was. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> it's like a twenty-four inch shop fan, but it's like that's so much money, you know. And it's just a fan with a filter on it, <laughs> so you yeah. know they get crazy. But what about you, Dan? You know. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. No, it's fine. I'm done now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I uh, I want to start off by saying breathing is important to me. I enjoy yeah. it. But? But I don't have a filter. I am not shocked on any level right now. <laughs> I feel like this is just becoming like a weekly counseling session from you guys to me. <laughs> An intervention of sorts. Um, Man, we like your lungs. We like your voice. We want you well, to be able to speak for a while. I've been running the drum sander without dust collection, so. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh, I ran that drum sander like for the very first time because I was real excited to plug it in and use it. And I didn't put any dust collection on it. And I put it in a story and I had several people mention me. You really need dust collection. I'm like, yes, I know. I got dust collection. (laughs) Calm down, mom. Well, here's the thing about having it. You actually need to use it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like having it isn't. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't have any air filters. I have a, I have a good size shop fan that i always keep running and you know now with the weather's being nice i always have the shop fan blowing out so that helps but it doesn't help me in the winter i guess yeah you, at least now you're keeping those garage doors open so that's good that's yeah. something i mean i think right. I, dan i think i made mine for 40 bucks you could slap it out fast you liar I mean, I literally, I really, it's hard for me to justify buying one because mine does work really well. Like, it's really hard for me to justify. Like, I mean, it really does. Like, I can crank, like, if I forget to turn it on and I make some huge mess, like the live, like I was flattening, it was like a cloud of dust in my shop. I turn that thing on. You see it. Yeah, you can see it everywhere. I turn that thing on, it clears my whole shop in like 30 seconds. It's unreal. It moves there so fast. Here's the problem I'm running into now. Like, because I have all these tools. I have, like, a fully stocked shop now with tools. Mm -hmm. I run everything off two circuits, two outlets. So, like, I can only run one tool per circuit. So, if I add another tool that's going to be constantly (laughs) running, I'm like, okay, what what can I not use? Yeah. So, it's becoming a problem. So, I have several problems I need to address. Next tool upgrade, power. Oh, yeah. I'm working on it. Yep. My brother's the electrician, um, and he's my guy, but he had shoulder surgery, so I'm, I'm waiting for him to heal up. Now, Matt did ask ask about the specifically the when uh, model. I know which one he's talking about. I hear good things about it, and I think it's totally worth mm-hmm. picking up used. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, even at regular price, it's not too bad, but they're always, at least in my area, I always see one like once a month pop up on a marketplace or Craigslist, so... You can definitely pick one of those up. Uh, they're pretty good, and I think they have a remote, which is nice. So you can you don't have to get close to it. Sweet. Yeah, I know several people have uh, those in there. I have mine on my elect, like a smart plug, and I just say, hey, Alexa, turn on the scrubber. So mix, oh, makes makes nice. it real easy. All right. His next question was uh, tools for beginners. We did actually cover that in an earlier episode. Um, I will try to throw it that in the show notes. Uh, I think it's the previous uh, uh, Q&A. So check that out. There's definitely some good info there. Next one was router tables, built or buy. Uh, I'll start with this one. I built mine and I love having built one, built one because 
I built it exactly the way I wanted it. And of course, a router doesn't take that many accessories in most cases. So usually if you go make a full cabinet for a router table, you tend to get a lot of storage in there for other items. Um, and for mine, I have all my router stuff, all my other routers, and then also all my compressor stuff is in a bottom drawer. So it's actually nice to have that space in there. However, I will say this, if you are going to build one, uh, definitely invest in a good lift uh, or insert plate. Just getting an insert plate in there, I for years just used a plate that you just dropped in. And if I needed to adjust that thing, I had to get underneath it and actually unlock it, twist it to the right height and lock it. Spend the extra money, save it on the on the base by building it yourself and put that money into a nice lift. Just get one with a nice little hand crank or something because uh, it'll just save you so many headaches and you'll actually use your router. Um, what about you, Dan? I agree with everything you said and this is going to shock you guys, but I actually don't have a router table. <gasps> <laughs> but wait, wait, I thought you had seven routers. I do. I have a lot of routers. <laughs> I even have a... I even got a an extra wing, like a the particle board mm-hmm. melamine wing for my saw stop mm-hmm. in hopes to put a router table in it someday. I got an extra one just in case I screwed up so I could do it again. Ah. And you know, that's that's a someday project. One of these days with one of my nine routers, I'll <laughs> make my own table. But yeah, I would definitely make before I buy a table. What about you, Michael? Well, Daniel, I, uh, I, what my, I built my router table. I think it's a good project. I, I just love shop projects because you can learn so much from them and they don't have to be perfect. Um, but I built mine and I built it. It was one of my first shop projects I built. It is limited now, but it's been really good for me in the last year and a half or so. Um, it's a really good thing to build. If you got the Didn't time. you upgrade it recently? I did. I put the lift in there and I put a new top on there and it's, it doesn't have, it has T-track in it. It really needs a miter slot so I can slide a miter gauge through there for like stick and cope stuff or rail and style. Uh, I don't really have the ability to do that safely. Um, the T-track just doesn't slide well enough. So, <clears throat> um, I did, and I think I'm probably going to just hold off on upgrading it until I finally get a new table saw in a year or two. And I'll probably get the same. Well, I'll probably get the, the saw stop with the uh, router wing in it. Um, oh, nice! I, I think I, the cast iron router. Yeah, wing. the cast iron router. Cast iron wing, yep, nice with the box and stuff. But that'll that's down the that's road. The dream. It's uh, having it built into my table saw wing right now makes so much sense. Uh, but Laguna doesn't have an option for that. I could drill a um, some melamine into the side over there in my wing. But it, you know, I don't want to do that. So um, this works. But it would be really nice to have. What's up, Pete? You're giggling over. Just, there. I'm like laughing. I'm laughing at myself because I moved my router table underneath my wing, uh, just like Dan wanted to do. And I want to cut into the millimeter that came with the Powermatic. I just haven't gotten the courage to do it. Yeah. Um, but I want to make a project out of it. I actually want to. I want to CNC it. You totally I should car- have the CNC carve yeah. it out. I know, but I'm just being. Man, yeah, I do it in a heartbeat. I wish I had the option. <laughs> I, I wish my 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 farthest over wing had some sort of. I wish I had melamine put into it. I don't want to drill into my rails because I know I'm going to be selling this table saw, and I'd like to sell it, mm-hmm. you know, as close to the factory as I can. I'm trying not to modify it at all, um, so I can get the maximum <laughs> amount of money out of it. But I mean, I, yeah, I, I miss having a router table fully like set up and ready to go all the time. But um, 
I mean, the the base is all there and everything's there. The router's there. I just got to drop in the top and that's it. Yeah. I've always been scared oh. of, of cutting into my, my table saw wing. That I got the 36-inch <clears throat> uh, wing on my mm-hmm. saw stop and I think that's like a $200 like addition. Mm. I could be off. Somebody could correct me. But anyways, so, there used to be a, a Habitat for Humanity home restore really close to my house. And they had a brand new in the box 36 inch saw stop wing mm. in the store for 20 bucks. So I picked what? it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'll take that. Yeah. So I've I've been sitting on that for uh probably about two years since ever I had my saw stop. Laguna I should said, probably do it. Laguna, I've reached out to them a couple times, and they said they're going to be releasing a wing for the F2, the older ones and the newer ones, because I have one of the older ones. Um, and I'll buy it. I'll snatch it up in a heartbeat. Even if it's a couple hundred bucks, I'll grab it, because moving my router from the wall that it's at, will it'll just make way better flow in my shop. Having it on my table saw would be much better. But anyway, next question, Pete. Um. Just a quick little thing, fun fact. You can actually buy uh, like the black melamine that a lot of these out or mm-hmm. extension wings are made of. You can buy it at Lowe's. Right. Uh, they have it. I was actually thinking about picking it up in case I messed this one up. But you won't. first, we're going to try to mess C&T. this one up. <laughs> you can do those yeah, hopefully. Oh, still nervous. All right. <laughs> um, let me see. So uh, this next thing is cutting board maintenance. How often do you need to re-oil the board? Uh, is soap and water okay? And heard people say uh, to use salt and lemon uh salt and lemon juice for cleaning yes and yes and yes um so i'll start with this because i guess i do i do a lot of cutting boards uh oil it you know well the first time you got it and then anytime you start seeing kind of like i almost want to say like white fuzzies on it or like it starts like losing its luster it starts getting more or very matted or like matte color um hit it with a little bit of oil basically if it looks better when you hit it with water it's time to put oil on it uh and Yes, you can clean it with lemon and um, even I've heard vinegar uh, or lemon juice. You can use that. And that works pretty well. But if you really, you know, if you put something on there that you just feel comfortable, maybe some chicken ended up on there, you want to get some uh, soap and water on there, do it, but then instantly dry it and hit it with oil as soon as possible. Uh, just because you don't want that thing to dry out on you and crack. Um, that's that's my input. That's, so that's oil it anytime you, you looks. Yeah. There's no addition from me or Dan. I'm pretty sure I can no, confidently say for oil that. as needed and yeah. clean. You know, I I have a question for you guys. So I was listening to Wood Talk recently, mm-hmm. and they once again were talking about cutting boards, and they firmly once again put the stance down of it's okay to use varnish once it fully cures its food safe. That, that is everything. correct. Yeah. I still I don't know. I feel weird hitting a cutting board that I know I'm going to use in the kitchen all the time and cut on it with like varnish, but I guess. Like their argument makes sense. It's just in my brain. I'm like, no, every seems every wrong. Varnish finish that. That was on their last episode too. If you don't listen yeah. to one talk, they were talking about varnishes and stuff and the idiosyncrasies between the names and the definitions. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every finish, once it is fully cured, mm-hmm. cured, it is food safe. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the whole point of the finish. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, we won't get well, into that. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, you want to take that next one? Yeah, this is from uh, John Foradori with John Foradori Woodworking. He asks, "How often do you locally source lumber, and do you use it as a selling point?" Uh, I'll jump into this one. Prior to my 
finding the place I buy from now, which is Macbeth, um, I was buying almost exclusively from a local place called Urban Wood Rescue. The huge positive for Urban Wood Rescue was, or is, that they everything's local. They are an urban uh, logging outfit that was owned by, it's a local small government entity, and it's a nonprofit. And they, um, basically they take, tre- when local utilities drop trees for to do line work, or when there's uh, new developments for housing comes in, all these logs go to this place. And for every slab they make off of those logs, they get a carbon footprint offset. So they have tons and tons of slabs there. I've bought stuff from there a lot. Um, I liked buying wood from there when I first started woodworking because I really enjoy the milling process. And it got I got really good at the milling process, and I'm and it was really fun for me. Uh, now. I don't really have the time for the milling process anymore. It's a whole thing. Like you have to, you have to cut the live edges off. You have to dimension all the wood. It's it's a long process. Um, if I have a client that wants that, I'll mention it to people. And if they want that, then uh, it can be a selling point. If I can tell them where that tree came from, you know, because uh, they tell you like each tree and every time they bring in uh, a, a truckload of trees, they know where those things come from and they're able to give you that information when you, when you buy the, the slabs. Um, it is a selling point. It's pretty cool. You can say, hey, this came off Richard's Boulevard over here, you know, and some things, oh, that's really sweet. So it uh, it adds another level to the hand handcrafted uh, sales pitch, I guess. So it definitely can. Uh, how often do I do it? Uh, not very often anymore. Uh, it's just a lot of extra work. So if it, I really try to get everything that's, I try to get all my timber pre-milled as much as I can now because it's just got to save that time now. So that's kind of my answer, Pete. Um, for me, so I live in a fairly populated area. Um, most people aren't too concerned i guess with the oh this came from this grove or this area uh, i do tend to use uh, like for example a lot of ash because it, it is local to here uh, but that's mainly because of price because it's the it's really cheap because it's just everywhere around here um and i think that's the biggest problem is that we, we live in such a populated area i mean like i'm 15 minutes with no traffic from the city mm-hmm. from new york city so uh, there isn't really a lot of trees and forests i have to drive another 30 minutes uh, west of here which is where we're looking to eventually move um but you know i think it's most people around here because they're not so much exposed to i guess you could say nature and live trees uh they're not as concerned with it for me personally i've never uh you know i love getting locally sourced wood actually as soon as we wrap up here I'm going to pick up some uh, hard maple that got taken down uh, one town over. The guy posted it online yesterday. And I'm not going to be able to get a ton of stuff out of it. It's mostly for firewood. But every time I go pick up some wood, there's always some like gems in there that I use for little projects. I have one piece of maple that is just the most beautiful curl and everything in it. And uh, I'm going to make a mallet out of it. So always get something out of it and let it, you know, just dry in the yard. But it's never been like a selling point for me personally. I'd like to eventually, uh, but maybe not. I haven't had the need in this neighborhood at least. What about you, Dan? It's not a selling point for me either. Um, obviously, if, if I get a client that says, hey, we we want locally sourced lumber, you know, I accommodate Oblige. that. Or, yeah. or I've actually yes. had yeah. clients say, 
uh, grandpa's had this wood in his barn for millennia. Yes. Can you make something out of it? And I've done that. Otherwise, the hardwood dealer I go to, they will straight line and plane everything for me, Mm -hmm. which saves me a ton of time because I'm all about saving time now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the less time I spend on a project, the the potential I have to make more money. And, you know, I'm this is a business. Um, If I do slab work, there's a local uh, company, American Arborist Wood Products. What's up? Um. I will go to them and they, they source everything locally and mill everything locally, but I don't get a whole lot of slab work. That's my answer. Cool. You know, another thing to consider about that is unless it's through, if, unless it's through your lumber dealer and it's going to be milled up already, if you're buying live edge slabs, that stuff's crazy expensive because there's such a, um, uh, it's a market market for it. Yeah. Like these live edge tables, these epoxy tables, uh, epoxy and live edge wood is so expensive right now. People don't understand. Like everyone wants it, and that makes supply go up, and that makes the demand. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, that makes the demand go up, and that makes the supply more expensive. So, um, it's unreal to think, but it's true. When you buy a slab, it's more expensive than buying dimensioned lumber, which has more labor in it. Correct. Yep. And uh, it's <laughs> that's just a fact because it's less desirable. So, um, anyway, we've got what, we've got some more questions here. Dan, you want to read this one or you got it pulled up or I can read it. Yeah, I got it. Uh, John from JR custom woodworks asks, what are your thoughts on hand tool woodworking versus hybrid woodworking? Maybe a combination of, or just machines. I feel lately that there are some people out there that still think, believe that if you can't use hand tools, you're not a woodworker. So to so to add, I feel there is varies. It it's confusing, yeah. Yeah. So to add, I feel <laughs> it there's various avenues of woodworking and whatever one. <laughs> basically, he's it's not no, it's it's not you, Dad. It's it's not written great, but um, basically, it's you know, what are your thoughts on on the different avenues, hybrid or pure hand tool working? And uh, yeah. Dan, go ahead. I mean, first of all, I want to address the, if you're not using hand tools, you're not a real woodworker. That's bull crap. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, you're a woodworker if you're working with wood. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're using pocket holes or if you're using pine. Um, you're a woodworker. Um, and I think there are, I mean, Mark Spagnola, Nolo, I always butcher his name, <laughs> the wood whisperer, he, He's made a living off of writing a book called Hybrid Wordworking. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's room for both of them. I, I don't understand the argument or that question. I mean, like, you know, they they come in handy. Yeah. I, I use yeah. I use hand planes all the time. I tried to use a handsaw last night. Man, that sucked. But I did it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, whatever. Uh, what do you What do you think, Pete? I love using both. Actually, there's, there is something about using hand tools and just getting those wispy shavings. And, um, there's like, there was times that I didn't have a joiner and, and this is when I was making like my first, like two cutting boards. It's like one for us, one is a, a, a to sell. And I caught up all the pieces and I guess I left them on a shelf for too long and they moved on me. 
I literally jointed them with a with a hand plane with just a number five that I got for five dollars at a garage sale that I fully refinished and sharpened. And there is something satisfying about working with hand tools. It's nice and um, you know, it's nice and quiet. You just kind of put some music on or a podcast or something on TV, just or nothing, and just the sound of working a tool. And uh, much like our logo for the podcast, a lot of times, you know, it's like later in the afternoon if I'm working on, like when I was carving away the, um, the headphone stand that I was just doing, I was chiseling. It's like it was like a chill day. I wasn't doing any power tool use anymore. Grab the beer or a little whiskey or something. And just there's something about it. It's like very therapeutic for me. So I love to incorporate hand tools. But I pretty much use at least one or two hand tools on every single project. I think... It's not something necessary. It's something that I personally enjoy. Uh, if I just need to put a little chamfer on something, I'm not going to set up my router and a bit and everything. I'm just going to go and freehand it. It's okay to not be perfect 45 chamfers or something. If no one can see it, it's okay. Uh, as far as the whole, you're not a woodworker until you use hand tools. You're not a woodworker until you cut dovetails. That's all BS. You know, there's there's people that do beautiful work out there with with their CNC and a table saw, or not even a table saw, but just maybe they design beautiful things and then carve it out, and then the way they align it in a machine and the pieces they carve and assemble together, it's beautiful woodworking, but it's using different tools, and I think that's perfectly fine. What about you, Mike? Um, not being a woodworker if you if you don't use hand tools is BS. I know that if I was, I can honestly say that if I was a hand tool only woodworker, I would not consider hand tool only to be woodworking. The only thing that's woodworking. It's, I don't know if that came out right. If I was a hand tool only woodworking, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like if you use, it's for me, CNC is not woodworking because you're taking away the person it's making a, it. I think it's a tool. I think you're made. I think it's a maker thing. That's just me, my personal preference. As soon as the person isn't handling the tool that makes the thing, I think it takes away the craftsmanship and it's not. I think woodworking is more of a of a craft a craftsmanship thing, for me. Here's my point: when you're working with a hand tool or a power tool, a human being is controlling that tool. You're either bringing the piece of wood to the tool, or you're bringing the tool to the piece of wood. Um, I think it's craftsmanship either way. That's my opinion. I I don't think it's cool when someone now my opinion about CNCs. I'm not going to shame anyone over that because that's not right. You shouldn't be like, hey, man, I sh I'm not going to be like, hey, man, you're not a woodworker. You're just doing C. That's not right. That's not how it should be. That's not what it needs to be about. Um, but I, what's up? I, I like your use of word craftsman. I think that's actually that puts a really because that's the original maker. Right. You know, well, that, it has to be like changed now because now there's programming and there's things where you're not it's not crafted. I mean, yeah, but you're still a craftsman and it's, you know, because you could be a craftsman and also involve some. Right. Some but you're saying also something. what I'm saying is if you're just running a CNC machine, are you still a craftsman? No, uh, well, no you're not. I mean, we yeah, can I think so. You think so? I think, well, it depends on, all right. It depends on your use of it. I think what I'm saying is it's a tool that you can use to make beautiful things. But if it's just, you know, you're throwing it. A file in there and carving it out you're not really carving it out yes i, I get what you're saying my, my point i, I mean that. I, but not to disparage using a cnc i, I want a cnc too. super duper bad 
Like, calm down. It's super duper bad. I just don't. I, it's not crafted. You know what I mean? It's not a craftsmanship thing, in my opinion. Don't worry, everybody. If they throw punches, we got this. <laughs> I think it's some record. assembly required. If it requires, if you're making components for something, I've seen beautiful things made with the CNC. Or even like when people laser cut things and then they make like full 3D. I agree. I think it's it. really cool. I just don't think it's yeah. craftsman. Fair. It, but that's Guys, let us but know. That, but that's that's not the point I'm making. My point is is that yeah. it's not right for me uh, to to impose that on someone else. It's not my. It's not. It's not for me to do, and it's not right for me to do. I have my opinion of it, but I don't need to be like uh, wag my finger at someone because <laughs> they do something. You know, those guys that say, uh, you know, oh, you're not a real woodworker unless you're doing hand tool only stuff that's just that shows a lot about that person uh that shows a lot about their character and who they are um in my opinion i just i think that they well, have some other how, issues how about going this? on so yeah so how about this yeah. uh because usually we ask for questions but i'd like to hear people's thoughts on no, this I don't as long as you're it. nice i kind of want to hear well, it i don't want to hear you know maybe you do as long as you're, uh, you know, you're nice about it, we'll play it. Because <laughs> if somebody's calling in and being a jerk and calling people non-woodworkers, I don't want to hear it. But, um, you know, I, I think we're 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 all we're all right in a way. Well, there's no right or wrong. Is my point. It's right for you. That's my point. I'm making is there's no like hard like right or wrong. I mean, that's my point. Is like there's no like oh it's right or wrong or it is or isn't. I think it's like a personal preference. Um, but I will say that if you're working with wood with your hands, whether it's a powered tool or a non-powered tool, um, it's woodworking. Yeah. Well, I, we agree I don't even know how yeah, anyone absolutely. could argue yeah. against that. I mean, those people that come at it hard with like, oh, it's not hand tool work, um, then it's not woodworking. I just, just don't agree with it. Yeah, because like, I mean, power tools are just upgrades on old hand tools. Yep. So like, there's nothing wrong with it. There's just a different version of the same tool. Yeah. But sometimes it's nice using a different version or going back or using chisels or something. So. We've went over this exact yeah. topic have, yeah, in detail right. in an earlier episode. You're right. We did. We did. No reason yeah. to go over this again. Getting all heated. Just saying. Um, should we do one, uh, one last yeah, one? I think so. Yeah. Uh, this is Ash, all the way from Australia. He sent us a letter. Triple the Bobby. He, he just messaged us. That's <laughs> <Sure. laughs> um, So his question is, hi, guys. Question about raising right, said, the mates. grain while sanding. Right. <laughs> oh, I Hello, might. No, that's, okay. I want you to read oh, it. Get so much He's never going to write in again. Please. Gosh, dang it. No, I, I don't want to get <laughs> hate. We have, listen, we have like three followers in Australia. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um so, so he's asking about raising the grain uh, while sanding it, and at what grit stage do you normally wet the timber? Timber, they say timber instead of wood. That's, That's cute. Cool. I like that. <laughs> uh, and do you? How long do you wait, um, or do you sand straight away? So, for me, uh, I I usually sand, especially with like something that is definitely going to be touched a lot, like a cutting board. I sand three times. Um, and it's usually and I spritz it three times and let it dry out. Um, I usually go somewhere in a hundred. Maybe 80 if it's a little rough, maybe 120 or 100 if I have it. Uh, then I go buck 80, then to 220, and then usually I'm done at that point. I don't go anywhere beyond that. Um, I usually let it dry out, and I recently figured something out that apparently is a thing, and I just learned it. I I accidentally sprayed some wood with a it was a 50/50 alcohol and water mixture that I was using for um, just 
purifying some stuff when it's all started. And in the winter, I use it to defrost my windshield. And uh, I sprayed the wood and it was drying really fast, but it was mm. raising the grain just as fast. Mm. And I was like, oh, I made that mistake. And I fessed up on Instagram and a bunch of people told me like, yeah, that's a thing. Mm. You can use alcohol and water mix and it dries faster and you can sand Makes faster. Sense. So yes, you definitely mm. want to wait till it's fully dry before you uh, uh, you sand it. Now, if it's something, if I'm applying a couple coats of uh, finish, I may not spray that many times. I might do it once uh, somewhere in the 150 range of sanding just to kind of raise that grain and sand it down. Because then usually in between coats, I will hit it with some uh, sandpaper if, if if there's a need. Uh, I know, Mike, you, you were talking once about a finish you were applying where like you didn't have to sand. Was that you? Oh, I mean, you don't have to with uh, – well, you mean with mono, with uh, Rubio, you just go up to 180 or 150, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, you yeah you were using one that was like I did, you I've never it and used it, was it like, but I, that oh, I you haven't, no okay. I've never used it. Every, someone else told me yeah the Rubio I think it's one fifty or one eighty you go to or maybe even one twenty I think Dan's used yeah. it but um it depends on which like what you're gonna use it in if you're gonna apply finish you don't need to yeah. go crazy but Mike so so what how would you handle that I mean I, I don't do it three times I just go to two forty uh go to two forty wet it I usually put it in front of a box fan and that helps dry it a little quicker. And then I'll, uh, while it's still wet, I'll throw my brand on there and then I hit it with 240 again. And then I throw on the water soil, try to get everything down to nice. one process there. So Word. that's just, I don't, I've never had any issues with it. I don't, why do you hit it for three times? Do you get even smoother? Uh, just in, be- in between grits. I literally, it's like, as I'm knocking out, let's say three or four uh-huh. of them, like I'll finish sanding one. I wipe it down, just spray it real quick and put it off to the side. And by the time so it's, you're water popping you know, as low I go as to the next grit. Or 150? Uh, yeah, wow. about. Yeah, so after, so after that first sanding, this is and this is purely for cutting boards. Yeah, I just love the way it feels, like when it's just silky smooth. For like any other furniture, I, I might pop it once, maybe twice if it's something that I think needs it. Um, I did pop yeah. the nice or the end what became an end table. I did water pop it because I was using that um, water soil furniture butter. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how that was going to respond. I just wasn't sure. I did water pop that. I don't think it was necessary at all, though. I've never ever done it with for anything else other than cutting, cutting boards because they do get wet. Like, yeah, like when I uh, when I was applying tongue oil to a project once, I definitely water popped that a bunch of times because I did not want to have to like wait two days and then like you know sand it again. And I just wanted to apply finish a couple times and be done um, because sanding in between it's just it's a pain in the butt with tongue oil. Yeah. Because it takes a while to cure. Dan? Dan? I only water pop cutting boards. Mm-hmm. I've never water popped a furniture piece. It just seems unnecessary to me. It's not going to get wet. Submerged. I, right. Yeah. Um, and I only water pop after the final sanding. So, like, I'll sand it up mm-hmm. to 320. That's what I do, too. Water pop, sand it at 320 again. And always wait until it's completely dry so that you're not getting that fine sand mm-hmm. or that fine wood powder in the pores of the wood. Yeah. I do the same exact thing. That's it. Mm-hmm. Except I don't I have a brand, uh, so I don't brand my stuff. I forgot whose uh, uh, podcast I was listening to. This was a couple years ago, but they, were, they had someone on. It was a maker that was the, one of those guys that just cranks out a project every week, like a big project, like a bed or nightstand every single week. And they fessed up that like, Oh yeah, like no, you if you actually came up and like touched it, it'd be probably rough to the touch in certain areas because basically their whole thing is you can't tell the grain through the camera, right. and we need to make the project. The project is to build the project, 
have it look finished and pretty, but in reality, been, they're like uh, they're not really David, going crazy. Dave Pachuto? He's he mentioned that Pachuto one. Pachuto or Benueta, one of, one of those guys. I remember that, him like, saying that once. Project. They they only put like one quick coat of shellac on it on their projects to make it look finished for their videos because yeah. that's all that mattered. Yeah, I actually not to get into the weeds, but shellac is something I really need to start getting into. I'm getting a lot of feedback I, from a lot of people saying, "Hey man, up. you need to start using this stuff. It makes your project finishes go so much faster." So, uh, fun fact: uh, growing up in Poland. The term to shellac literally meant to finish a project. We know that because you've told like, us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I say it every time. Yeah, this was a whole show. I'm excited. Yeah, I, yeah we did a, finally remember picked some up. episode four, shellac? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we can call this one. This is a super long one. Uh, let's let's yeah. everybody wrap this one up. Um, thanks, everyone who. We only have 100 questions. And, what's that, Pete? We only have a hundred questions. Right. We only have a page full of our, Hey, but that doesn't matter. Send us your questions. No, we need more. We need questions. Uh, we love them. Uh, we just knocked through quite a few today again. Uh, next week might be the same. We might not go into a topic again next week. We do have a lot of questions, but keep sending them. Oh, we didn't like do a topic today. No, did we? we didn't. We did another questions episode. I mean, a lot of these are topics. We kind of go in. They for are. Like I mean, they are. Yeah, topics are basically yeah. questions anyway. We're just answering. Giving. It doesn't matter. Anyway. But anyway, thank you for the support. <laughs> Thank you for uh, following along with us. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your five-star reviews. Um, Five-star five only. Five-star only. And uh, if you wanted to leave us a Google voice message, you can call us at 754-CALL-AWP. Pete has those numbers, and he's going to say them right now. 754-2255-297. Oh, you were ready today, Pete. Yeah. Everybody give yep. Pete a hand. Prof. Professional. <laughs> I have to stall. Um, <laughs> if you want to if you want to record a voicemail on your mobile device and email it to us, another podcast at gmail.com. That would be awesome. Uh, you have all of our other ways of reaching out to us in the show ne- show notes that Pete will put together for the episode. Pete does a great job on those. And uh, I guess until next week, unless I'm me- missing anything, uh, you know, we'll talk to you guys soon. And we hope you have a great, great week. Okay, I'll bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Love you guys. Kill it. Bye.